my favorite my favorite little story in the bible is the prodigal son and that's what you're going to get this morning whether you like it or not <laughs> don't look so serious because i'm only being my jovial self and so we're going to just read a couple of verses because I don't have my glasses with me. (laughs) Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided unto them his livelihood, and not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. My little title on this message on the prodigal son is The Kiss of the Father. The Kiss of the Father. And the prodigal son is an amazing, or the parable of the prodigal son is an amazing story, I believe. It's one of my favorites. And we... we, we see the Father's heart here. The Father's heart is that he gives him everything he asks for. Now, if my son came to me with that request, he would not get what he asks for, if you know what I mean. And this is one of the things that amazes me about the Father. Because the Father, I believe, represents the Heavenly Father. And the Father hands everything over to the prodigal son. Except the checkbook. Like if you had a prodigal son and you'd given him a bunch of money to go off to a far country, you wouldn't include the checkbook. Would you? The father didn't give him the checkbook. The checkbook, of course, be in the ring. Because back in those days, if you study that kind of history, you will find out that the ring was the seal, if you like, that went into the wax so that certain things could be, could be trans, transpired and certain things could could be many things, monetary things could be dealt with, and the ring was the, was, the, was the seal of the person for transactions of finance. So when I read this, he doesn't get the ring. The younger son doesn't get the ring because the father has already given him his inheritance, and as far as the father's concerned, that's that. But the father's heart is there for the son. His heart is there for him, and his heart is there that he doesn't stop him. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, well, don't you think you should stay at home? He just lets him go. Because the son is now an adult. And we find that the prodigal son makes his way to the far country. So it's a decent journey. And when he gets to the far country, 
you, in, in that parable, you get this word riotous. Riotous means anything goes. So we can read between the lines what isn't perhaps in the parable. He lived riotously. In other words, he was into everything he could possibly get into. And he had plenty of money. How many of you know when you've got plenty of money, you have plenty of friends? He had plenty of money. Money was no object. He could have any good time that he wanted. And this is this is the prodigal son. This is the son of a godly father. And I can identify personally with the prodigal son. Because I was a prodigal son. I had no time for church. I was brought up in church. But when I got to that age, I had no time for church. All I wanted was to have the good life. And as it happened around that particular time, there was a rock and roll culture. And because there was a rock and roll culture, then that gave me something that I could pursue away from church. And as I pursued this culture, because I could play piano, and I could do the Jerry Lee Lewis stuff, and there's a whole lot of shaking going on, and I had no time for God, and I had no time for church, and I had no time for Christians, I played in the pubs, I played in the clubs, I played in the rock groups. I was a prodigal son. My mother, I discovered later, never, ever stopped praying for me. My father, who was a Baptist pastor, never, ever stopped praying for me. And if there's anyone here in this congregation this morning that has a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, don't give up on them. I've spoken and counseled many Christian people that have that problem. And the first thing I say to them is, don't give up on your son. Don't give up on your daughter. Because God will never give up on them. And God never gave up on me. I never forget a, a, a situation that, that I was in. We had a minibus and, and I was with a group and we went down to a rather chic club in the country. And we would, it was near Christmas and we were doing uh, that kind of stuff at that time of the year. And halfway through our gig... We stopped and took about an half an hour to an hour break. And I stood at the bar. <laughs> and I stood at the bar with a pint of beer in my hand and thought that I had absolutely come into something fantastic. And as I drank the beer at the bar, 
I didn't realize that my godly mother was with the Lord now. My godly mother was on her knees praying for me. And she had gone to a service that night. And she was crying in the service. Because there was a lot of young people there and I wasn't there. I was doing the clubs. And she was crying on God. She didn't know where I was, but she knew I was, I was out in, in, in the world doing my thing. And she was praying for me. And there was a prophet in that service that night. And the prophet began to prophesy and said, I have seen your tears. And I see your son at the bar right now. Like this is, this is wild stuff, right? I see your son at the bar right now, but I will put a hook in his nose. <laughs> it's not them. <laughs> I will put a hook in his nose and I will draw him back and he will minister for me. And the congregation went wild because they knew who the Lord was talking about. He was the rebel. Because I was a rebel and I was into everything. And as far as I was concerned, church, you've got to be joking. Look at the life I've got. But the time came. The time came in a place called the Castle Hotel. I didn't mean to go through all this, huh? But I believe it's the Holy Spirit. The time came when I was in the Castle Hotel playing piano on a Saturday night. Place was packed full of people. Everybody's having a good time. And then there's a silence came on the bar, on the people in the, in the pub. And they're not so active and not so talkative and not singing very much. Because little Eddie, as we used to call him, he was only about that height. Little Eddie came into the, into the pub with his Salvation Army uniform on and his war cries under his arm. And I'm playing away, and I notice the euphoria is dropping. And Eddie is going around with his war cries. And I'm, I'm kind of raging inside because this is my night. I'm the one that people should be paying attention to. I'm the one that's playing. He's the one that's spoiling it all. And as he comes near to me, he puts his hands on my shoulders and he shouts, or out of his voice, out of his, um, out of his being comes his voice, which, which kind of scared me. It sounded like God, you know. <laughs> Son, stop! And my hands come off the keys. And he said, give me an intro to the old rugged cross. There's a great gulf fixed between the old rugged cross and a whole lot of shaking going on. Well, perhaps not too much in Pentecostal circles. And I knew the old rugged cross, and I gave him an intro to the old rugged cross, and in a lovely Welsh tenor voice, he began to sing on a hill far away, so an old rugged cross. And much to my surprise, everything inside me was churning over and tears were coming down my cheeks. And it wasn't long after that that I gave my life to Jesus. 
When I, when I gave my life to Jesus, it, hadn't, it had only been a couple of months because I was a prodigal. I mean, radical prodigal. It had only been a couple of months and I, I got a phone call from this crazy evangelist and he said, I'm having a meeting in Merthyr and the BBC's coming down to film it. I want you to give your life story. So I went across and to Merthyr, I went to the church. All the cameras are all set up. And I got up there and gave my life story. And it, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, this was the BBC. That, that footage that they filmed went right through the United Kingdom. I went to work the next day. So you want to tell you last night, boy? And I began to have people coming to me and telling them about Jesus. It was incredible. This was all happening not long after my mother's prayer. Not long after I was in the clubs and the pubs. Why am I saying to this to you this morning? Because if you have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, don't give up on them. Don't give up praying for them. Don't give up loving for them. Loving them. Because one of the things that I discovered when I, when I was a prodigal son, I couldn't take love. My mother, my mother would love me, and, and I'd go out through the door and there'd be tears coming down my cheeks. And the Bible calls it agape. And agape is a God kind of love. Filial love is wonderful, isn't it? Filial love, love between a man and a woman. Filial love, love between a mother and a child. Filial love is a wonderful, wonderful love. It's, it's great to have that love. And every one of us has that love within us. But it is superseded by the God kind of love. Because filial love sometimes, sometimes is tested. <laughs> and you blow it. But agape love is never like that. Because agape love is the God kind of love. And I just sense in my spirit this morning that there are people here and you are being tested right now. Maybe by a daughter, maybe by a son, maybe by who knows. You may be being tested right now. But listen to me. Call in the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the word paraclete means to call in? Call in the Holy Spirit if you're being tested this morning. If your love is fragile, call him in. Because Romans 5 and 5, Romans 5 and 5 says, the agape of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You want agape? You want the God kind of love? Get close to the Holy Spirit. And he will pour that agape love, that God kind of love, that love that loves the unlovely, no matter how unlovely they are. Hallelujah. The hardest person on this earth cannot resist agape. God's love. And we see it here. We see it here in this parable. <coughs> I'm not going to go through it word for word, but you know the parable of the prodigal son. 
the prodigal son went with plenty of money to the far country and wasted it. Riotous living. You know, you get lots of friends when you got lots of money. And not so many friends when you haven't got so much money. This man, this young man, I can only imagine the kind of stuff he was into from the, from the indications that we get in, in Luke 15 in this parable. It seems that, if, that his money's all gone and it seems that he needs a job. You have to give him credit for going looking for a job. And he went to a pig farmer. And the pig farmer put him in charge of the pigs. And if you look at this in its Hebrew context, to be feeding pigs was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the low. And I have seen people leaving the Father, leaving fellowship, leaving Jesus, and ending up like pigs. And I could go into all that, but it wouldn't be edifying if I did. You cannot leave the Father. You cannot leave Jesus and end up a nice person. It just doesn't happen. And I've seen so many people who have known Jesus uh, and the Pentecostal church would call it backsliding. So many people going back from God. And inevitably, they, they end in a mess. Fortunately, the prodigal son came to himself. I think the most powerful words in that parable, when he came to himself. When Diana and I came to ourselves, before we knew what was happening, I was preaching, testifying all over the place. Diane was singing, testifying all over the place. Diane would stand at the clock, the big clock in her town, and tell people about Jesus and lead them to the Lord right there and then. When we came to ourselves. And sometimes we get into problems, we get into a mess, not, not necessarily backsliding from God, but we can get in a mess, we can get into situations, we can have family problems. But at the end of the day, what counts is coming to yourself. And the one who brings you to yourself is the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. The Holy Spirit is the friend. The Holy Spirit is the friend of sinners. Hallelujah. And he's your friend this morning. And if you're in a mess this morning, don't give up. If you have a problem this morning that you can't figure out, don't give up. If you're in a mess, if you have a problem, if you have a difficulty in your life, don't give up. 
because paraclete means to call in. I wanted to come here and preach this Sunday. I had to call in Pastor David. If I hadn't called in Pastor David, I wouldn't be here this morning. And life is like that. We have to make that call. How many of you know that God answers all our calls? And whatever your situation this morning, call in the Holy Spirit. Something happened to the prodigal. He begins to think of his home. He begins to think that the servants, the servants, the most menial servant in his father's house had a better deal than he had. And when that finally sunk into his heart, he says, I will go back to my father and home. Hallelujah. I don't know. Must have been a long journey. It was a far country. So you can assume it was a long journey. And he traveled back. Doesn't say much about the journey. But we know from the far country that it was a long journey. And he was in a bad state. And he's going back to his father. There's probably shame in his heart. Embarrassment in his heart. Maybe even a little afraid to meet his father. And he goes back to his father and he makes the journey. And this is what, this is what touches my heart because this is my favorite parable. This is what touches my heart. The father was waiting. He wasn't out conducting business. He wasn't out trying to get more money. He was waiting for his son. And, I, and, and you've got to have a good imagination. Your Welsh imagination helps me. I can see him. I can see a dot on, an, on the horizon. Just a small dot on the horizon. And the father is looking out on a regular basis, I think. He will be looking for the son to return home. And as he looks... He sees this dot on the horizon and it gets larger and larger as the sun gets nearer and nearer and then the father cannot contain himself and he runs towards the horizon. And when he gets to the sun, he falls on him. Father, I'm not worthy to be your son. He hugs him. Make me one of your hired servants. He kisses him. The word there, the Greek word there is very, very important. It's called cataphilio. And Cataphilio, in that parable, I have discovered, is an incredibly descriptive word. It describes how the father felt. 
Not so much how the prodigal felt. We know how he felt. Make me one of your servants. I'm not worthy to be called your son. That's how he felt. Cataphilio demonstrates how the father felt. Because cataphilio means to cover with kisses. So let your imagination for a few seconds contain that. We have a prodigal. He's wasted his inheritance. He's filthy. He's vile. He's been where he shouldn't have been. And the father did not remonstrate with him, but he covered him with kisses. This, my son, was dead and is alive again. His boy was home. Do you know what he said to the servant? Put a ring on his finger and put shoes on his feet. But listen, put a ring on his finger. In other words, he's restoring his bank balance. He's, in, he's restoring his inheritance. Because this, my son, was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. The whole heart of the Father. And the enemy comes to you and the enemy comes to me and tries to tell us that the Father's very, very angry with us. And look out, John, because you've done this. What I'm not saying is that we can just go and sin in the face of the Father. I am not saying that. What I am saying is that the Father is full of agape. And if I come to the Father as a Christian, and I've done something, said something, blown it, my contemporaries may not have much sympathy for me. But my heavenly father will have agape love for me. And will forgive my sin. Will forgive our sins. That's why we must remember that the father is agape. Never forget Romans 5 and 5. The agape of God, the agape of the Father is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If we will come to the Father and say, Father, I can't take this. You can see the way I'm being treated. I'm going to explode. But Father, I don't want to explode. I want to have agape love. And the, the moment that you ask the Holy Spirit to pour into your heart and my heart the love of the Father, we will be filled with agape. And instead of having a big screaming match, we can have a big loving match. Because isn't that what church is all about? Isn't that what they observed in the early church? Behold how they love one another. Hallelujah. But there's a sad side to this. There's a sad side to this word. Cataphilio. There's a sad side to it. You remember reading, particularly around Easter time, about Jesus being betrayed? The enormity of the crime of Judas. 
where the soldiers wanted Jesus, and it seems, as you read it, that they didn't have a clear who Jesus was or where he was. Judas had gone to the soldiers and said, the one that I place a kiss on, he's the one. The enormity of that crime was cataphilio. The same, year, same word is used of Judas, cataphilio. Same Greek word. So, what did Judas do? Little peck on the cheek? No. Covered him with kisses. Kept on kissing him. So that they would make no mistake <coughs> as to who Jesus was. Same Greek word for the father. Attributed to Judas in the betrayal of Jesus. And Judas had no agape love. But he covered Jesus with kisses. Kept on kissing him. When the father saw the son, he covered him with kisses. And whatever situation you are in, in this congregation this morning, never forget, never, never forget Romans 5 and 5 says there the love of God. But the word is agape. The agape of God, the God kind of love, is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I look at this congregation this morning, and there's no problems at all in this congregation this morning. Everybody's honky-dory, everybody's great. But of course we know better. We know better. And whatever problem you have this morning, remember to handle it in the Holy Spirit. Call in the Holy Spirit. Read Romans 5 and 5. Allow Romans 5 and 5 to pour into your heart this morning the God kind of love. Human love is wonderful. Feel your love. It's wonderful. But it's nowhere in comparison with God's love. And God's love is an everlasting love. God's love is an enduring love. And so, you know, around Christmas is a busy time. Do you know around Christmas is a busy time and sometimes between husband and wife, I suppose the word that we should use is brittle. Brittle. I've got to go. I've got to go. Where's my money? Where's my money? <laughs> kind of brittle. So you can see I'm an experienced husband. Do you know God doesn't want us brittle? He wants us flowing in his love. His kind of love. So you say, John, is my home going to be perfect? <laughs> well, you, you'll have to answer that, brother. You'll have to answer that. <laughs> but, but you know what? 
the agape love of God is so powerful. And I am amazed that Christians, a lot of Christians don't have any realization that they can actually have a deposit of God's love, the very love of God, put into their hearts. And you can actually love as the Heavenly Father loves. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you think that's going to make a great change in our lives? Poor prodigal son, we've lambasted him week after week, month after month, and year after year. But he's such a good example of the Father's heart. Of the Father's heart. And it's time that we realize that we too can love the prodigal. Wait for it. We too can love our enemies. Didn't Jesus say that? Love your enemies. Oh boy, there's a few enemies on somebody's back here this morning. Like I, I can feel it. You know, you, you've got some enemies. You know? Love them. You're your tiny little mind. Do you know what they did to me? Do you know what they said about me? Love them. You want to get your own back? Do you want to get your own back? Love them. Telling you, love them. Call in the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, give me the God kind of love. Give me the Romans 5 and 5 love. Give me the gape. I have found that using the agape of God and loving my enemies turns my enemies into friends. Really. That's not just preaching talk. Really. Turns my enemies into friends. Isn't God good? Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, this morning for the privilege to speak to your people. I thank you, Holy Spirit, this morning for your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you pour into us the God kind of love which makes us men and women of the agape. I ask that you'll touch my heart as a preacher and touch everyone else's heart as a congregation that we will see the validity and we will see the importance of your love in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, this morning for your graciousness, for your love, and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Boss.